0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: You don't come on the basis of your own righteousness. You come on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. You come on the basis of God who keeps covenant, the covenant-keeping character of God. Something else we can learn from Nehemiah about his prayer is that he started his prayer quickly. He didn't wait or use prayer as last resort. Prayer is where you begin. Can somebody say a better amen than that? Nehemiah acknowledged, number three, the sovereignty of God. Number four, I'm going to blow through these. Nehemiah prayed an inclusive prayer. He used the words we instead of I or them. He identified with his people. Number five, Nehemiah considered the will of God And the promise of God. And he believed that blessings came by being a part of God's plan. Number six. The prayer and the fasting lasted for days. Number seven. Nehemiah prayed that God would help him when he went before the king. So Nehemiah is a man of burden. A man of prayer. And he's a man of action finally. Our last and final point. Nehemiah wasn't just a man of burden and then do nothing. Or even a man who would get down on his knees and then get up and do nothing. Nehemiah was a man of action. Nehemiah is broken over the city in ruins. Keep in mind, Nehemiah has never seen the city of Jerusalem. He was born in captivity. Are you listening? Nehemiah was a patriot. I wrote that word. Patriot and I thought that's not a word you hear very often anymore Patriot Wow in our country, we have lost our patriotism That's why you don't hear that word too much anymore Think about it When's the last time you heard that word used in the same sentence of the United States? Instead We have people burning the flag. People doing horrible, despicable, ungodly things with the flag and calling it free speech and calling it art. I'm a patriot. I spent 13 years in the Navy. And honestly, I got out because God called me to get out. I I, I honestly would not have got. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I wouldn't have got out. God called me to get out. And then God called me to come here. So I guess it was a good swap out. What <laughs> was a good swap out. And, uh, but I loved it. And I, yeah, I'm a patriot. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, people don't know what it means, and I don't want you to be ignorant. So I actually took the time to look this word up for you. Uh, In Webster's Dictionary, this word patriotism means a love for or a devotion to one's country. Simple. A love for or a devotion to one's country. I love the United States. With all the problems, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. (laughs) Listen to me. I'm trying to help you. You got a problem with this country, I invite you take a trip take a trip take a trip almost anywhere outside the U.S. and you will find honestly it ain't that bad you will get off that plane and you will kiss the tarmac I guarantee you yeah I said it guarantee you yes you will I'm a patriot. Absolutely. I love this country. All of its problems, all of its situations, all of its conspiracies. That's a whole nother story. But you know what? Hey, this is where God has me. Bloom where you planted. Oh, you need to write that down. (laughs) Yes, you do. Nehemiah was a patriot. Having never seen Jerusalem, and yet Jerusalem was in his heart. Like Jerusalem is in the heart of every Jew. Talk to him. I believe Jerusalem is in the heart of every Christian. The Jewish people would say in their farewell to you. Anybody know what they would say? You got it next year in Jerusalem. They'll see you. You know if you went with us, you know last time. We're going again. And uh, oh, man, y'all got to go. You just gotta go. There's no way to explain to you accurately, and 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 help you to really get the sense. Are you listening? Of what it is to be in that country. It's amazing. Who's been there? Who's been there? Quite a few of you. Am I right about it? I know it. It's amazing. It's. Awesome, 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 crazy awesome, crazy awesome. It's amazing. You got to go. 2013, I ran into a lady after second. I don't know if I told third service. I think I told people in third service last Sunday. I, I, I saw this this old couple, and I think it was the son, and he might have been 60 or 70, and the mom, she had to be way upwards, 80, and... And the daughter-in-law, and they they come to church here. I, I honestly, that blows me away by itself. I mean, we are like two generations apart. We have like nothing in common whatsoever. Except that's enough. So I saw him walking across the parking lot. And I said, I'm going to go say hi to these people. I'm running them down. They probably think I'm kind of, don't think I'm on something. And so I mean, I ran them down, hey, hey, hey. You, know, you, you would have thought, I thought they were like the, like, like, like the only people that ever come here or whatever. You know, I was like running them down the parking lot. Hey, hey, hi. You know, I'm like, nice to meet you. And I just wanted to say hi to you. And. Thank you for coming and I'm just really blessed by their attendance because who would think that, you know, someone 84 years old, 80 plus years old would love the worship here. I would think she'd think it was too loud and she had white hair and she just, you know, just getting by, getting there and different generation and different cultural bringing up. That's why I always tell you that families are formed at the cross. And it doesn't matter who you are, and, and what what. I'm what I'm a black kid from the streets of Philadelphia, uh, grew up on drugs and city kid, and, and this lady here. World, how, why would I know her? Why would I want to know her? Why would she want to know me? If it wasn't for Jesus, isn't that wonderful? And she says, uh, she goes, oh, they said, all, all, all three of them, they said, oh, we just cannot wait for January, because we're going to Israel with you. And I said, that's great. I was like so excited and thinking, you know, how we got to plan, because, you know, we have go places and places you may not be able to get up to, you know what I mean? But we'll work it out somehow. If I got to have Ron Carrier, we'll uh, <laughs> I'll mean, Ron, pick up. Look how nice that is. Put her down right there. (laughs) You just got to (laughs) go. You got to go. You just got to go. You got to go. And if you don't go pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 22, 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You know, I believe God's going to do something real special on this trip. Don't know what? Just really feel that in my spirit. So so Nehemiah heard of the problem in Jerusalem. He was distressed. He he analyzed it and scrutinized the problem, and he he felt a great burden in his heart. He wept, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed, and then he got up, and in the midst of his grief and self-pity, he took action, and he did something. And let me just say right here, when God wants the work to be done, he looks for people who are willing to do it. He's not looking for complainers or whiners or criticizers or armchair quarterbacks, woulda, shoulda, coulda. God's looking for people who are willing to give up their comfort and give up their thing and get busy about his thing. Can somebody clap your hands and say amen? Can you do that? Get busy about his thing. Nehemiah made himself available to the Lord to get the job done and become part of the solution and not to add to the problem. God's looking for people who not make excuses why they can't. If anybody could have made excuses why they couldn't, it would have been Nehemiah. He was a cupbearer. We'll get to it in a minute. What did he know? He could have said, Hey, this job needs engineers built in the walls, this job needs stonemasons. This job needs construction managers, someone who can oversee large projects. You know, I said this before. God is looking for available people, not qualified people. And Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He could have said, I can't do anything. If there's one thing I've learned, listen, in my 30 years of walking with the Lord, I learned this, the insignificant and the insufficient become significant and sufficient in the hands of God. It's true. (laughs) Dust is insignificant, but in the hands of the creator, it became a man. A staff in the hands of a man is insignificant, but in Moses hand, it was a tool for a miracle before Pharaoh. The jawbone of a donkey is insignificant to fight a battle, but in Samson's hand, it became a weapon of mass destruction A stone is insignificant, but guided by the Lord becomes a guided missile with pinpoint accuracy to the head of Goliath. My life was insignificant, but in the hands of God, it's significant and usable, and God wants to hold it. My life and your life, are you listening? My life and your life, God wants to hold it up as a trophy of his grace. And say to the world, see what I can do with ashes. Look at that. It's beautiful. Look at that Christian man. Look at that Christian woman. It's beautiful. Did you see it before? Was ashes. Rubble. Nothing. Unrecognizable. Now a trophy. Of grace. And God can now. Show you off to the world. Because there's nothing more powerful. Than a transformed life. So you know my story. Single parent. Years on drugs. My mom worked hard to be a good mom, my mom was a good mom. Even through all my problems and drugs, my mom was a good mom, and she did the best she could. When a woman gets out of the bed every day at three o'clock in the morning, cause she gotta walk out that door at four, rain, sleet, snow, or hail, don't matter, she wasn't a postman to go to work in a meat locker, a frozen meat locker, for 30 years, packing hot dogs, ballpark franks. They plump when you cook (laughs) them. Yes, sir. If I'll never see another hot dog, it'll be too soon. You hear me? I won't eat a hot dog. No, I will not. Mm-mm. Give me no hot dog Cause that's all we ever had Cause my, mom, my mom's boss was really nice to her Cause when we didn't have any food We had, I remember times We just had mayonnaise in the kitchen In the refrigerator, that was it No milk, no nothing Night and powdered milk Ugh. And nothing, nothing But mayonnaise, I'll never forget it My mother came home With a box of hot dogs Her boss told her Take this hot dogs. We ate hot dogs. Mixed up mayonnaise. And it's absolutely disgusting. (laughs) So I'm saying that to tell you that you know, God can do anything. Amen. Clap your hands for Lord. All downhill from here <laughs> I want you to look at verse eleven let let 's just come in for a landing here. look at verse eleven Nehemiah has a, verse ten and eleven Nehemiah has an influential position in the royal court. Notice the last statement in verse eleven, Please read it with me, for I was the king 's cupbearer the cupbearer Nehemiah has an influential position in the royal court, no doubt. He's in the position that's envied by many. There's no doubt that Nehemiah is wealthy. There's no doubt that he is trusted by the king. Nehemiah is on the in crowd. He's got what a whole lot of people would think would be security and income and status, but he's not content. And that's the beautiful thing about him. And i share something personal with you. You know, I, I can't stand. I was thinking of this earlier. I cannot stand the thought. Of at the end of this year that I am the same as I was at the beginning of the year. I can't stand that thought. And I hope you can't either. Not the thought of me, but the thought of you. Some of y'all are like, I, I can't, I really can. Something really needs to change about you. No, you're missing me. You're missing me. About you, I should hope that you cannot stand the thought of being the same at the end of the year that you were at the beginning of the year. You know, over the last couple of 15, 16 years, I've had people come to me and they've said, uh, Oh, you've changed. They they've said, you've changed. You've changed Pastor Ronnie. You've changed, you know, and maybe they've been around for, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever. And they, you know, for a long time, whatever and they'll say. Well, you changed. You know, you got a big church, and and you know, you 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 changed. They'll say, and you know, I'll tell them. I know what they mean, but but I'll tell them, uh, you're right. I have changed. And, you know, if you say that, they go, oh, well. There's no argument now. I have changed. And it is good. Listen to me. If you don't attend this church or maybe you just come on Wednesday and you go somewhere else on Sunday, I I heard about a few of y'all amongst us. (laughs) Where you at? All up in here. Just kidding. You're welcome to be here. Absolutely. I'm just joking with you because I joke around a lot, as you already know. But But I, you know, I would think that you would want a pastor who's changing. Because I'll tell you something, I can't take you to a place that I'm not going or have not already been. Just something for you to think about. Just something for you to think about. You want a pastor who's growing yeah i shouldn't be the same rodney you met 16 years ago i'm not i'm older i was 34 when i showed up here and i had hair i know i long for those days if you run my hand through my hair I'm, that's what i do now But you want a person, you want a pastor who changes, and you want you want you want a pastor who's growing and moving on in the things of the Lord, and 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 growing spiritually, and 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 growing deeper in 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 their walk with the Lord. You want a pastor who, who 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 is seeking the Lord, and 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 is not the same. You're expected as you are in the ministry, especially if you're in the ministry. And even doubly so if you stand behind a pulpit, there's an expectation and there should be for your pastor to be stronger in the word some years after he's been doing it for a minute. And if that's not happening, somebody ain't gifted. Stir up the gift that is within you. Strengthen the gift that is within you. And you should be growing, and we all should be growing. We all should be moving forward. And what's true for me is true for you. And there's true for Nehemiah. Nehemiah was just the king's cupbearer. And God said, I want you to be a builder of the kingdom for the king of kings. There's something in Nehemiah that's longing for more, and I hope that we are like that. And, and if you are like that, then don't change that. You know, I, I, I don't want contentedness. I appreciate that about Nehemiah. He's not content. And I'll tell you something. Let me tell you a little bit about a cupbearer. What is a cupbearer? A friend asked me last week, what is a cupbearer? You waited a whole week to find this out. A cupbearer wasn't the guy who walked around holding the cup and the saucer for the king. You got that. The cupbearer had great authority and responsibility. Actually, the cupbearer would have to be A confidant to the king, the cupbearer would need to be wise and intelligent with political aptitude. A cupbearer was in a powerful position because he had the ear of the king and and the king trusted the cupbearer with his life. The cupbearer sat next to the king and sampled the king's food and his drink and then he would give it to the king to eat. Now, I don't know how they worked that out, and I don't know the process. Maybe they brought the food in, and, you know, Nehemiah being the cupbearer would sit there and take a few bites, and, you know, everybody's watching. <laughs> you know, you know Nehemiah's like, hmm, well, mm, I like the flavor. Tastes a little lemon, a little ginger, little wasabi, it's like a... Nice little, nice little combination of flavor, and everybody's watching, waiting to see if he keels over. And if the cupbearer keeled over, then they probably went and hung the baker and the chef in order to take out. I don't know. So you can see that they were probably really good friends. Because the cupbearer always had his life on the line for the king. The cupbearer probably had money. From people buying favors because he was right near the king. All the, he had access to the king. Are you getting me? You know, people, they, they would say, "Hey, here, hey, Nehemiah, here's a hundred bucks. You know, if you can go tell the king this, because I can't, I can't get to him. Every time I call over there, I gotta get the secretary and and everything. Get the secretary, and you know, uh, you know, I gotta go through Michelle, and she wears leather, and you know." <laughs> You don't want to bother with her because she'll take you out and I can't really get to her. So here's a hundred bucks. I'm working here. And I'm thinking maybe Nehemiah probably made a lot of money off of that. People trying to get to the king. But listen, Nehemiah mentions, note this, that he's the king's cupbearer. I find this interesting at the end of the chapter, which speaks of the humility of Nehemiah. He could have mentioned it at the beginning. Nehemiah, the king's cupbearer, the son of Hakaliah. But not Nehemiah. He mentions it at the end. Why? I think because it relates to the story later that Nehemiah is a man of humility. Nehemiah could have been name dropping. You know, I'm the king's cupbearer. Everyone understood that was a position of power, a position of authority, and a position of influence. Everybody understood that. He didn't do that. He mentions it at the end. And I'll tell you that Nehemiah built the walls in 52 days. Interesting. 52 days. Isn't that something? God used a cupbearer to build the walls in 52 days. And later we learned as they were building the walls, they had a trial in one hand and a sword in the other because they had enemies surrounding them all the time, trying to distract them. So they would be building the wall with a trial in one hand and a sword ready to fight in the other. There's a sermon there somewhere. I'll tell you that one a little bit later. Trial in one hand, a sword in the other. They didn't have tractors and backhoes and lifts and and cement stirrers or anything like that. And they got the walls built and they didn't have a committee involved. Thank God. They wouldn't have got anything done if they had. You know, see, C.A. Spurgeon said the best committee has three people. One is sick and one doesn't come. Let the church say Amen. So why did God turn to Nehemiah to build the walls? Because he was a man of burden. He was a man of prayer. And he is a man of action. And may God help us to be people of burden, people of prayer, and people of action. And not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord.